friends, I, um, let us turn our attention to the Epistle to the Ephesians. The Epistle to the Ephesians, chapter 2, the verses 1 to 10. Ephesians 2, verse 1 to 10. And as this reading is one of the, I think, most profound chapters in Scripture. And maybe all too familiar to us. I will read it intensely, slowly. That's so for the first time or anew, or afresh, that we may see before our eyes an unfolding of the wonder of grace of salvation. So let us read Ephesians 2, the first 10 verses, the word of the living God. And you... As he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience among whom also we all had our conversations in times past in the lust of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature The children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus for by grace are ye saved through faith. And that 
not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, open thy word for our hearts. And open our hearts to receive thy word. Pour out thy spirit upon us. So that this thy word will transform us. That we should walk in it. Which you have ordained for us. For Jesus sake. Amen. And you. But God. In Christ. That friends. In essence. Captures. The grace of salvation. Grace, one of those divine attributes, eh? verse 5, by grace, verse 8, by grace, verse 7, his grace, to know the God of grace, to know the grace of God. Do you, do you grasp that? Have you grasped this? Maybe you have grown up in church and Ephesians 2 is but all too familiar to you. But, but has God's grace changed you? Redirected your life. Left you transformed all the days of your life. Because you have learned grace is a gift, an undeserved gift. Verse 8, for by grace you are saved through faith, not of yourself. It is the gift of God, an indispensable gift, because you have learned by such grace, you did not deserve anything. That God would look after you and me. And yet, in his mercy, in his great love, in his kindness, he gave us his only son. Friends, a costly gift. So costly. This gift of grace, indispensable and costly, And applied by the work of the Spirit to you is life-changing and transformative. 
And therefore, with the help of the Lord, let us meditate this morning briefly on the grace of salvation. As we find it in Ephesians 2, the verses 1 to 10. And, and, and not only meditate, but that you may leave this place in wonder. A sense of wonder. In awe. Lost in wonder. Lift up in wonder. But God. In Christ. And that for me. He for me. Now we could look at this profound passage of Scripture as speaking to us past, present, and future. The, the, the verses 1 to 3, the past, that speaks of the past. The present, verse 4 to 6. And the future, verse 7 to 10. Or from an Reformed confessional point of view. Eh? Does this uh, verse speak to us with the Heidelberg Catechism as misery, deliverance, and gratitude? The verses 1 to 3, misery, deliverance, verse 4 to 9, gratitude, verse 10. But friends, this morning I will not reflect on this passage grammatically, past, present, and future, or doctrinally, following the threefold structure of the Heidelberg Catechism, but meditate with the help of the Lord from a personal point of view. That is what the passage addresses us to. You. You. We. It shows us. Three points arising from this passage. To to be saved from, the verses 1 to 3, from death in trespasses and sin. In the second place, saved by, the verses 4 to 9, by God in Christ. And in the third place, saved for, verse 10, for good works that we should walk in them. The saved from, saved by, and saved for. And you, each and every one of us here this morning in church or watching online, personally, and you. Now, there could be things in your life that you don't want to remind it of. Or things that you thought they they were behind you. But then at times they come to the fore and you're reminded of that past. But here in those verses 1 to 3, the Lord reminds us this morning through his word for you and you as Christian, remember, you who were dead in trespasses and sin. You, in times past, you walked according to the world, according to Satan, according to self, the flesh. You, who were by nature children of wrath, that is God's wrath.
And if you are not a Christian this morning, the Lord reminds us, reminds you, you are dead. Spiritual dead. When you are not a Christian this morning, you walk with worldly ideas and thoughts. And, and Satan has hold of you. And, and you are under God's wrath. Even as others. You are not better than anyone else. Remember, the Lord reminds the saints which are in Ephesus. Chapter 1, verse 1. Reminds you. Saints. Who are in What did we hear last night? Washington State, New York State, New Jersey, Virginia, here in Grand Rapids, wherever you come from, reminds you, you were dead. Not sick. Dead. Moralism let let you believe you are sick. You, you, You build yourself up. You have to you have to get to work to get better. But friends, when you are sick, there are degrees of sickness. You need a doctor and follow prescriptions. And you have to do everything in your power to contribute to restoring and improving your health. But the gospel reminds us this morning, you and me by nature are dead. Romans 3, no one seeks God, dead to God, no degrees of deadness, no contribution from your or my side. You have to be raised from that. You have to be made alive. And that, friends, is a one-sided work of God. Nothing less. It is indispensable. Than the need of radical grace. And you. As you stepped. With false steps. Trespass in this world. Missing the mark sin. A time in which you. Or have you forgotten. A time that you were. Without Christ. That you were a resident alien. No citizens, that you are a foreigner, a stranger from the covenant of promise. No hope without God in the world. And so you walked. Remember, according to the ideological ideas of the world, living worldly, the ways of the world, obsessed and captivated by the things of the world. According to the prince of the power of the air, satanic forces, enslaved to sin, leading to disobedience. Remember, according to the lust of the flesh, being selfish, being full of yourself, directed in all things to yourself. Fulfilling the cravings of our flesh, indulging its desires and thoughts, and therefore you, me, were by nature children of wrath. 
Or does the apostle remind us in Romans 3, now we know. Do you know what you know? That whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God, guilty before God. Sinner before God. Have you grasped that? Do you remember? Experienced not the labor of my hands. Can fulfill thy law's demands. Could my zeal no respite? No. Could my tears forever flow? All could never sin erase. Thou must save and save by grace. Nothing in my hands I bring. Have you come to terms with that in your life? Maybe it is a long time ago. But you are reminded this morning so that the grace, the gift of grace, Christ himself shines the brighter against this black background of self and sin. Do you see? Are you reminded of your needs? That grace is indispensable. And then to hear this gospel to be reminded also this morning. But God But God Friends, don't, don't you think we need an eternity to wonder about this amazing gospel? But God, we need more than a conference, more than the time meditating on this profound passage of Scripture. But God. Does, does such wonder of grace come afresh and anew this morning to you? Does this free gift of grace humbles you again? This life-changing gift of radical grace. There are all kinds of gifts, eh? For example, when you have a telephone bill on the table, $50, and a friend of yours comes in and he picks up the bill and pays it for you. You say, well, that is nice. Thank you. What an unexpected gift. But friends, when you need a heart surgery, a heart surgery, 
for hundreds of thousands of dollars and you are poor and needy and bankrupt. It is a life and death situation. And someone comes along and pays the entire bill. Would you not fall on your knees and worship in unending gratitude? A gift can be free, that is one thing. But a heart surgery giving you life is indispensable. But God. And that brings us by our second point saved by. And when we come to this part of Scripture, that our prayer will be, that the heavens will be rent, and the heavens will be opened, but God, verse 4, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved God in His grace, in His rich mercy, in His great love, in His grace, mercy and love, wherewith He loved a people like you and me, who were by nature children of wrath, wherewith He loved you and me, guilty before God loved us even when we were dead in sin, even when we walked in times past, worldly, spiritual dead ones, even then. He loved you. Do you grasp? Do you see? Does it unfold anew or the first time before your eyes? The riches of God's mercy the greatness of his love, the gift of grace, the grace of salvation. Oh, friends, that is your hope, your only hope and refuge and comfort in life, in the life of your children and grandchildren, if you have them. Even in times when you are discouraged about their walk in life and in times that you wonder, where is God in all of this? Does he not hear my prayer? This hope and comfort, this reminder this morning, but God, in his mercy, in his grace, in his love, it is he who made us alive. Verse 5, has quickened us, that is, a total reprioritizing of your life happens. You begin to think different. You begin to act different. Not directed to yourself and being selfish, but directed to God and a desire to become Christ-like and to begin to experience that sincere joy of heart in God through Christ and love and a delight to love for God being made alive from dead. Dead, friends, is the wonder of grace. 
to be reminded on. What more, and that, that makes the wonder all the greater, made us from death to life together with Christ. Do you hear? What we could and cannot accomplish in ourselves, God in His mercy provides for us. His only and beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave everything that He had His Son. This unspeakable, rich, grace, merciful gift. Christ, that name above all names. And only in and through Christ we are saved and can be saved. That That, my friends, is the hope for this world, the hope for the church, the hope for your children and grandchildren. Your hope and comfort. Christ, as the apostle reminds us in chapter 1, verse 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood. That blood that cleanses you from all your sins. Apostle reminds us the forgiveness of sins, forgiven and forgotten. For I, says the Lord, and he reminds maybe you this morning, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. No more. According to the riches of his grace. Saved from sin. Saved by God in Christ. This grace of salvation. Friends, it is not only indispensable, but costly. So costly, friends. This gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save, till on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied for every sin. Do you hear? Every sin of his people. Your sin was laid on him. Being made alive together with Christ, resurrected with Him, raised and can be raised from your deadness and from your sin by His power, raised up to a new life. His resurrection, your resurrection. Oh, friends, what shall I say more? For the time would fail me when this grace of salvation grasps you and holds you together with Christ. He made us sit together in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. As the Apostle states in chapter 1, verse 20, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ, and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. There's not only his resurrection, but also his session, together with Christ in heaven. That is, your head is in heaven. Yes, and your feet are still on earth. But that is also at times that heaven comes down in your heart. 
even those times, maybe most challenging in your life, but by grace you can say, whom have I in heaven but thee? There is none upon earth that I desire besides thee. My flesh and my heart fails, but God. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That is the grace of salvation. And not only once, but continues even now. But I hear one say in our midst, this grace, his grace in my life, I cannot deny. I was blind, but now see that Christ has become precious to me, that, that God is rich in mercy to me, in his loving kindness to me. I cannot deny that. And that I had and still have a sincere sorrow of heart when I grieve God by my sin. And the yes, by grace, there is the desire to hate and flee from sin, this mortification of the old life. But at times I'm reminded of the old man. At times I'm so early, the here and now. At times it is for the good that I will not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. And then to hear, sitting together with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, true. But we are reminded this morning and lifted up, lifted up in wonder, despite my struggle of the old and the new man, the anchor of the Christian life. Your anchor by grace is in Christ in heaven who intercedes even now for each of his children. Praise even now that your faith fails not together with him, the already, but not yet. Now in the beginning, but what a day. Then forever, saved by God in Christ. Is it not he showed his exceeding riches of his grace to you? Despite who you were and are before him? In his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. Kindness. Well, we deserved wrath. But in Christ, with Christ, through Christ, united with Christ. To have union and communion. And that means two things, friends. Not only that all that is his, for Christ's sake, has become and is mine by grace. His righteousness, his holiness, has become my righteousness and holiness in him before God. But this union of Christ also means that all that is mine 
my sins and shortcomings, my struggles, my flaws and failings, things that has happened in the past and you wondered, how can I live after this? Here is how. All that is mine has become his. Has become his. He who knew no sin, he has made him to be sin for us, so that we may be made, made the righteousness of God in him. This holy exchange, he for me. Where he was condemned to die. So that we might be pardoned. So that he be made freed from your sin. Where he endured the suffering and the death of the cross. So that you might be acquitted at the judgment seat of God. And that we might live through him. Where he has taken upon himself the curse due to us. So that he may fill us with his blessings, where he humbled himself and was forsaken by God when he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So that you might forever be accepted by him, so that you are never forsaken by him. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and ways past finding out. That is his costly, but oh, so gracious and generous gift to you. It is not of yourself. Not of any work, lest any man should boast. Verse 9. Oh, forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my God. Does that not give you a joy? Leave you in wonder? Stand in amazement? Again, this wonderful joy. I don't belong to myself, but to my faithful, oh, so faithful, Savior Jesus Christ. Does that not humble you? And therefore, don't you have a love and delight to live according to the will of God in all good works? Or with the words of our text, verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Well, moralism will teach you, walk upright and you deserve salvation. But the gospel reminds us this morning not only being saved from and being saved by, but also saved for. Saved for this purpose. We are his poema, says the Greek, his word. We are his, his work of art in Christ. And for this reason, unto 
good works. The Heidelberg Catechism in Lord's Day 33 reminds us good works are only those which proceed from a true faith. And that faith, verse 8, for by, for by grace. Remember that gift? For by grace, in Christ you are saved, true faith. And those good works are performed, said the Catechism, according to the law of God, to do them out of gratitude, thanksgiving, not to return to the works of the law. Did you begin in the Spirit and now return to perfect your life by the flesh? No, says the Apostle in Galatians 3. Christ has to redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. And therefore, we have been saved for, for this purpose, unto good works according to the law of God. And to his glory. Glory that is the most weighty, important thing in your life. Now what does then the Lord require of you? Concerning good works to his glory. Does not the Lord remind us just to give one example through Micah. But to do justly. To love mercy. And to walk humbly with your God. For that reason. For that purpose you are saved. To do justly. Because by grace you have learned Christ took the judgment that you and I deserved. Would you not be a dispenser of justice? Of that what is right? To live, to love mercy. Because by nature we are children of wrath. And yet for Christ's sake God is so rich. So unspeakable rich in mercy. Should we therefore not Love mercy and to walk humbly, to walk humbly with your God. That for Christ's sake, who in his active obedience, where he was perfect obedience to the law of God, walked on earth a life that you and I should have lived. For Christ's sake, does the Lord. Does the Lord ask you this morning too much to walk humbly in gratitude for what Christ has done for you and me to walk with your God? Verse 10, good works that we should walk in them. Friends, is there an imitatio Christi in our life? Having this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Is there an active servant, Christ-like living, found in your life? But read carefully the text of verse 10. Eh? We are his workmanship, Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. First, which God has before ordained passive. 
that we should walk in them, active. Friends, that is the tranquility in the Christian life. As a 19th century reformed French pastor Adolphe Monod once wrote, the secret of the saint is this, passive and active. Good work, which God has or before ordained, even that is a gift of grace, to live out of Christ. Have you grasped, friends, that Christ is a complete Savior? Not only that he obtained salvation, but also works salvation for this purpose, working in us to do good works. They are prepared beforehand. The, the, the same word that the apostle used in Romans 9, that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy. That is who we are, by, by, by grace. Hè? Vessels of his rich mercies. Which he had prepared before unto glory. Do you hear? Doing good works to his glory. You don't do it for applause or self-gratification, but to his glory. And let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which in, is in heaven. And therefore, and that goes together in the Christian life, that we should walk in them. This is the way. Walk you in it, active for Christ's sake. As a commentator once wrote, and so dear friend, and so dear friend, take heed that you are fulfilling the purpose for which you receive this new life. And let us all remember the order in which being and doing come. We must be good first, and then only then shall we do good. That is, we must have Christ for us first. He is our sacrifice. He is our substitute, our savior, and our means of receiving of that new life. And then, Christ in us, the soul of our souls, the life of our lives, the source of, of all our goodness and doing God. Would you not join in singing love so amazing? Love so amazing, so divine, such infinite, marvelous, matchless grace demands my soul, my life, my all. Wonderful, eh? Amazing, gracious gift, is it not? Saved from sin, saved by the Savior. 
Saved for service. And you. But God. In Christ. In Him alone. That, friends, is the grace of salvation. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, will bless thine own word and work for us and in us, so that we may leave this place in wonder and in awe for the first time, or afresh and anew. Love so amazing, love so divine, demands our soul, our life, my own. Lord, bless us through thy word in the furtherance of this conference that we continue may experience thy presence in our midst. And at the end of this conference that we may testify, it was good to be together because the Lord was in our midst. And we pray it in the forgiveness of our sins, but for Christ's sake alone. Amen.